welcome to the Hotter Than Health podcast, a podcast and resource for those looking to expand and elevate their lives. Each week, we will bring you provocative topics, engaging interviews, and some of the biggest names in health and wellness to answer your burning questions. Each episode, you will leave with tangible tips and takeaways so that you can immediately begin to elevate and optimize your life. Well, this, this is my point, is that I don't think people yet understand how much we can ask the other side. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ask enough. Like, we can, when I say, what questions do you have? People are like, I have no idea. I think more than anything, they just want evidence Yes, that they're there. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. My name is Eliza Gelman, your host today, and today we have a good one for you. I say it every week, but this week, you know what, I, I say the same shit every week, but <laughs> I just mean it all the time. I've told you this before, this podcast is for me. <laughs> There's something that's super interesting, I want to hear about it, because if I want to hear about it, then odds are someone else does as well. It, oddly enough, we actually had multiple requests to have on someone of this profession through DMs on Instagram, on reviews, uh, just in day-to-day conversation when talking about the podcast, it surprised me how many people were interested in hearing not only about what a day in the life is, but how to go about how to go about receiving the service from one of these professionals with so much doubt and skepticism. That is what we're talking about today. Today we have Ashley Torrent. She is a psycho-spiritual counselor and an intuitive medium. Finally, we have a medium on the podcast who can tell us what's going on in in outer space and time and through the space-time continuum, what's going on in the other realms. I am just so excited. And that was completely butchering everything that she does. You're just going to have to listen to the episode because Ashley is a... She is such a light being, and when I say light being, I mean she is the easiest, she is so easy to be around. She is delicate and graceful with the way she speaks. She's intuitive. She is thoughtful with her words, but she's also thought-provoking, which I find really exciting. It's it's not fun to have a conversation with someone who really has nothing else to say. They answer the questions, and then you just move along. We go all over the place. We end up talking all about sex lives and orgasms, and we also talk about trauma and narcissism. We talk about intuitive mediums. What does that even mean? What do you? What does she do when she meets with someone who really is skeptical about what can really happen? And of course, it's the Hotter Than Health podcast. We have examples. We have stories. We have specifics. That is what I really wanted. I wanted to know, hey, what goes on in these sessions? What does it really look like? So that's right. We have Ashley Torrent. We, she is a, like I mentioned, psycho-spiritual counselor. She's an intuitive medium and teacher. She has her own podcast, The Blue Butterfly Effect. And she's also a trauma survivor, not to mention she is married to Lair Torrent, who has been on the podcast before. He was a therapist and who did that whole, he did the entire inner, inner child therapy on me on the actual podcast live and totally broke me down from the inside out. So can you imagine two therapists living under the same roof, raising children, having 
homeschool happening and really just being empathetic and open while also just being actual human beings with problems and trauma and things that they're dealing with and love and trying to work out real life. This is such an interesting episode and I'm so thankful to know Ashley. Here's what I will say. I wanted to have this conversation before I went in for a session with Ashley. I'm going to book it actually this this week for whenever she's available for hopefully next week. But I wanted to have this conversation as someone who is a total outsider. I don't know anything about what's going on uh, as far as what spirits may be trying to communicate to me. I haven't had this experience because I have a feeling that more often than not, people haven't had the experience. So I wanted to go into it asking the type of questions that I would ask had I not had the experience because people listening have not likely had the experience of speaking to a medium. However, we are doing a giveaway at the, shut the hell up. My computer makes so much noise. Get away. I don't know how to turn off notifications on this email. Again, Bush League, rookie mistake. I get it. But Ashley is giving away a session. So you can head to her website to check out more about what she does. It's ashleytorrent.com. I'll have that in the show notes. But she is going to also be doing a, she's giving away a gift certificate for a reading. She can do this virtually. I know I said the same thing. I thought, how the fuck are you going to read someone's energy virtually? And she says, no, it's not about that. I can connect with people on a deeper level. And, and trust me, you could do it virtually. So anywhere you are, you can absolutely enter in to win this giveaway. All you have to do is take a screenshot of this episode and share it somewhere on your social media. Make sure you tag Hotter Than Health, uh, Hotter Than Health and myself the more you enter and the more you comment on the most recent post, the more times you get entered. So we will be selecting one winner for her to receive a reading. I'm so excited for someone who gets it. And then maybe afterwards we can have another conversation about what these ghosts and ghouls and goblins were talking about. And I asked her, I was like, are you dealing with like demons? And we get all into that. But without further ado, we will have Ashley on and we have an amazing interview to share with you. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to say thank you and go through review of the week. Y'all saw me blow up on social media the other day uh, when someone left a bullshit, not a bullshit, but they left a review. It wasn't great. And I just thought it was funny. There were also some spelling errors. But again, look, you want to leave a review? It it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, five stars is great because it helps with, you know, ratings. But here we are. It's all about the SEO. But on that note, we are going to read out the review of the week. This person will win a tote bag from Hotter Than Health. If you hear your name being called and this is your review, then make sure you send me a DM on Instagram and let me know. We'll exchange information and I can send you your Hotter Than Health tote bag. It's the shit. Y'all have seen it all over social media. I love it so much. I use it constantly. This one is for... Oh my gosh. No, I lied. This is yes for a tote bag, but also this is for a membership to the open app. Like I mentioned last week, we had on Allie from the open app and we talked about mindfulness, breath work, meditation, all of that good stuff. And this is the winner of that. This is as a millennial, I loved and as a millennial, I loved this episode. Five stars. This is from Andrea M. Gibb. Thank you for a gentle reset on you provided with Allie Maz of open, not 
Gen Z, but I needed a lot of the tips from this episode. I used to do yoga and meditate all the time. And as I've shifted to bodybuilding, I've lost some of these habits. Thank you again, Andrea. I will absolutely be reaching out to you so you can get set up on that app. That is so exciting. Thank you so much for reviewing. And remember, we do these giveaways so that you guys can actually win them. It's all symbiotic. This is a give and take relationship. Like I want you guys to have some stuff for free. All you got to do is just support the show the way you have been. I'm so excited. I'm also feeling pretty confident this week because last week, I don't I don't know if anyone needs to hear this. I or if you even know this about me, I'm not a confrontational person at all, but I did just get my ears pierced because I feel like I wanted people to just not fuck with me. I was like, look, I am not one, to, I'm a force to be reckoned with, but I'm not confrontational. Like I don't want to fight, but I feel like getting my, uh, a, a third hole in one ear and then a midway cartilage stud was just going to make me look a little, a little cooler. And I'm cool with that. And so far so good. Mostly my hair's covering it the whole time so nobody sees but I know it's like walking around with no underwear you just know that you're a little more powerful that is neither here nor there thank you so much for listening to this week's episode don't forget to like subscribe and share if you want to be entered in to win the giveaway for this week then all you need to do is take a screenshot share it with your friends on social media and tag myself tag hotter than health and you'll be entered in to win a free medium guided session with Ashley Without further ado, let's get Ashley on the podcast. Welcome, welcome. I just want to say welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. It I'm means so a happy lot. to be here. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have only met this morning, but and very briefly in your amazing home in Charleston. Thank you for having me. Yes. <laughs> but we met through your husband, Lair Torrent, who if you haven't listened to that episode, go back a few months and take a look. I'll put the episode in the show notes, but he is also a therapist, a licensed therapist, but you are a holistic therapist. Mm -hmm. So Ashley, can you tell us a little about what you do, who you are, who you serve? Yes. Um, I'm a psycho-spiritual counselor, which means I work from a foundation of mindfulness, but I've was trained to mix Western clinical psychology with Eastern spiritual practice. And I do believe that for true healing to occur, we need the psychological piece. We need um, to gather the pieces of our puzzle to kind of understand where we've come from. But when, if we want to get through becoming the victim of our story to the hero of our story, spirituality is the key, I think, because it puts the pieces of the puzzle together and creates the whole picture. So we step in step away from who we were and we step into who we are meant to be um, because spirituality gives us context for our suffering. So I really like to work from that place. I don't bring spirituality into the session with clients unless I feel like they're ready for it or they're curious, but I hold it consciously but quietly until they are ready for it. Um, and I found that in order for true transformation to happen, usually the spiritual well, I believe the spiritual piece is the key. Mm -hmm. And when you say spiritual piece, can you talk a little bit about what that might look like? Yeah, I think it's important for people to know what they believe in. Um, not religion, but to understand why we're here. Do they believe it's just one and done? Or do they believe we come back and have many lifetimes? And I believe we come into this life so that we can evolve. And it's for 
our human life is a vehicle through which our soul evolves. So it's really important to understand our human suffering and to take advantage of this life so that our soul can evolve. Um, if we don't know what we believe, then I think this life can be pretty boring. I think it can be full of suffering, and I think we can get stuck. What do you believe happens once, we, once our physical body dies? I believe we shed this physical body, and then we return to energy, the form of love, into a spirit realm. I believe in that spirit realm, we you know, um, review our life to see the places that maybe we didn't learn, the places that we did. And I do believe that we keep coming back until we get it. And then hopefully at some point, I'm crossing my fingers, we <laughs> stop coming back. <laughs> I mean, I love being here, but it's it's rough road, right? Sure. Life is hard. When you say that once you get it, once you have observed the lessons that you have and have not learned, what do you think, what does that mean? Because I'm just trying to think of it. There's so many different ways to think about if you want to call it the afterlife or reincarnation, whatever you want to call it, when you're learning those lessons or observing those lessons in your perspective, what happens when you really get it? What happens when you think, okay, I've, I've mastered the lessons, I've learned it, I get it. What happens to your soul at that point? Um, I believe that we, our soul evolves into a higher energy and I think goes into a higher realm of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe humans are in a different level of consciousness or mm-hmm. souls that continue to come back to be human. I do believe that we come here to experience that which we are not because I do believe we come from pure love. Mm-hmm. And so this human plane is a place for us to experience contrast. And contrast or suffering or pain is what can allow us to evolve because it makes us uncomfortable. And humans, if they're not uncomfortable, they won't evolve. Mm-hmm. So you might see people that you know they get stuck in a similar pattern and they're not understanding the lesson um, because the, I guess the lessons could be repeating patterns in relationships. It could be re- repeating patterns in relationship to yourself, to other people, to your body. Um, but you see people get stuck and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. But hopefully at some point we start to ask, what is my responsibility in this pattern? Mm-hmm. Instead of and playing the victim. Instead of playing the victim. And that's the thing is mm-hmm. like, that's where spirituality comes through when you're asking yourself, what is my responsibility here? What is this situation asking of me? How can I evolve to make better choices? Mm. What is of my highest good? What would create less suffering? What, is, what would happen if I wasn't operating out of my ego or my mind and I was operating out of my heart or my soul? Mm. And obvious, so, and I want to talk about ego a little bit later on because I yeah. think that it's really interesting, but... I know I, when we had the interview with Lair, we talked about narcissism. We talked about uh, childhood trauma relating back to what you're currently feeling. But from a perspective of using trauma and pain and suffering to evolve and transform, can you talk about that? Because I was doing a little research before I got here and understanding that you have been through it. You know, you've been on life's journey. Mm-hmm. Can you talk, can you tell us a little bit about your story and your background and how any pain and suffering that you have gone through or are going through has helped you transform and gotten to, to a place where you can then help others transform? Yeah. And I do want to preface that anything that I say I believe is what I believe and what I feel like I've come to understand based on my experience and my own spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. So I won't know anything that's true until I pass on. 
you know, and I really encourage people to ask the questions so they figure out what they do believe. Mm -hmm. So I just want to offer that. Um, so yeah, my spirituality has been so important as part of my healing. I mean, I grew up with a severely mentally ill parent, um, so much trauma, like brainwashing, um, physical, psychological, emotional abuse. And I started therapy in my early twenties. Um, there was a point that I was suicidal. I mean, I had a lot of shame, a lot of pain. I had no sense of myself. Um, my mother really worked to, um, if, if I could say that she traumatized every, every aspect of my being, whether it was my relationship to my body, relationship to my feelings, relationship to my own thoughts, relationship to other people, she had her hands in. So I've been spending the past 20 years like, how do I undo those wires that have been crossed and put them back together so I can figure out who I am? And in that process, I had to confront a lot of really dark feelings, you know, find my anger. I separated from my whole family. Mm. When you were how old? Um, I left my, I ended my relationship with my mother when I was 26. Okay. And then my dad and my brother, you know, probably over the next five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so really the whole nuclear family. Yeah. I, um, being around them made me want to die. I, I just couldn't, wow. I couldn't be around them. Um, there were what the relationship asked of me and what that asked me to participate in, um, made me physically and emotionally sick. What was, can you speak on that? Um, yeah, I mean, they, you know, my dad didn't protect us, you know, in one breath, it would be, I threw you under the bus because I was scared of your mother. And in another breath, it was, there was nothing to be scared of. And this was a really violent woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he continued to deny my experience, gaslighting, things like that. And yeah. even as he got older, you know, continued to deny my experience. And it's a very, mis I grew up um, in a misogynistic, homophobic, racist culture, mm -hmm. very religious. And there was just really no room for me. And there was also no room for healing, even mm -hmm. though I asked for healing several times. You know, can we work on this? Can we go to therapy? But no one was willing to take responsibility. And if no one's willing to take responsibility, then yeah. you can't really connect in a relationship and it wasn't worth it to me. Like, I don't believe because we come into this world um, with certain people like that are our parents that we're supposed to stay in those relationships. I think they're vessels through which we come in. Mm -hmm. And if we're lucky, we do stay connected. But mm -hmm. sometimes the most important thing is us leaving. I think that's sometimes the most transformative piece mm -hmm. is to be able to say, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. And that was true for my life. What What's wild about that is the fact that you did have this experience with your mother and your brother and your father that it was toxic and abusive and damaging and caused so much challenging conditioning in your mind. But at the end of the, at the end of that is also, they were just doing their best. You know, we hear that all the time. I, about I don't parents. know if Blair told you the story. He actually came to a therapist with me. No. When we first started dating and the woman used to say, I have this sign on this wall above your head that said they knew the, they did the best they knew how to do. With what they had. But, and Lair looked at her one day and said, seriously, that's what you're going to tell her? And we left and he grabbed me and he was like, I grabbed me close. And he said, I know this is none of my business. He said, but you should probably get a new therapist. 
because that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, it's hard for me to even say that. Yeah. Like, how do I say that? But people do. <laughs> it, of course. People say family is family, blood is blood. Oh, moms and daughters, they just don't get along. Sure. And just denial. I, I think child abuse, there's so much protection around parents, around child abuse, that the people who are abused carry so much shame around it. This is something I think really needs to be healed in our country and just culturally mm-hmm. because we're not we're not supposed to talk about it in quotes mm-hmm. because we're supposed to protect our parents because exactly what you because said. Because they raised us and because yeah. they were doing the best they could. Yes, of course, they are humans. They they are humans and they have had their own experience. They were raised in a certain way, but that does not need to negate your experience here yeah. or your experience with your feelings. And I, that's that might be the worst part of how you grew up. Well, I'm just saying this as an observer. The hardest part about unlearning is you mentioned untying the wires, trying to retie them. And it is so much harder to unlearn than it is to learn. And when you are invalidated, your feelings are invalidated, your emotions, and you, it's in that volatile experiment almost in the house where your dad sounds like he's he doesn't know what he even wants. Mm-mm. So if he had, he would have been able to, even if it was, wasn't what you wanted to hear, it would have been consistent. Mm-hmm. It would, and you could have at least understood him, not, not respected or agreed, but understood and predicted that. So it's mm-hmm. that less volatile. And then you're living less in a state of fight or flight. Mm-hmm. That's so tough. I'm, and also I'm sure that there are 10 million things that happened that we could talk about, but I don't, <laughs> I think that everyone has, someone in their life or has ex- seen an experience, wit- witnessed an experience that they've been gaslighted or seen it or invalidated, yeah, anything like that. And, and that's what I wanted to lead into. You had this, you had a traumatic upbringing. You mm-hmm. were 26 when you started to really cut ties with that nuclear family. You haven't spoken to them at all since. Or- um, my, not my mom at all. She's reached out over the years, but I just, I just kind of, I ignore her emails, just kind of check to see what state she's in. Yeah. And, um, but my dad, sometimes he'll text me, um, like if there's a hurricane or something or happy birthday, but I've recently just stopped texting back. I mean, it would be like once a year, maybe every five years. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there, there technically is a line there, but it's not used. Um, not on my end, not on your end. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And I can imagine that's challenging, especially now that you, you have a husband, you have children and you're raising children. You're raising, I don't know if it was Lara who was saying this. I don't think it was, but you're raising adults. You're raising adults. Yeah. We're raising future men, white men, Mm -hmm. you know, which is a huge responsibility to raise compassionate men and not in the construct of the patriarchy or Mm -hmm. of, you know, traditional white raising to raise Mm -hmm. them as really conscious and aware, um, mm-hmm. and open-hearted. It's, it's, I take it very seriously. I mean, I, it's fun, but I take it very seriously. Yes. You, I feel like it's, it's that classic happy medium where you take what you do really seriously, but not yourself. You yeah. know, you're still trying to have a good time. Here. Yeah. You're still trying to have... And they're a blast. Yeah. They're a blast. And you are, you, you present very light and intuitive and calm. You seem very grounded. Yeah. yeah. I work on it. <laughs> I, well, when I walked in, I, I of course, I'm sure everyone tells you this. They know that you have these, you have the capacity to, to be a medium and you are so in tune that you can really be intuitive on how other people are feeling. So I'm in my car rushing. I'm like grabbing three bags that have fallen all over the place and I'm plugging everything in and just neurotic, dehydrated, and just all over the place. And I was like, 
fuck, what is she about to think about me? <laughs> I just was like, I hope that I am not infiltrating your energetic layer <laughs> today. No, no. And I think this is, I don't know if you want to talk about it now or save it for later, but this is a really important thing that people Let's ask talk about me it now. about. I did want to say about, you asked me a question about how did I grow up in that environment and oh, yeah. how did, and I think that's the important piece of, I was stuck in victim mode. After all the therapy I did, which was so helpful, and I still am in therapy. I have two therapists. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> I got an equine therapist, and I have a regular therapist. Which I want to talk about. I saw you the spooning the horses, and I was like, I got to talk to her about this. This looks nice. <laughs> yeah. So I think, but I was stuck in this happened to me, and I needed I needed validation for it. So I spent a lot of time, and I think this is what happens to a lot of people, and I see this in my clients. They are in their story, and they put the pieces of the puzzle, or they're gathering them, and they're like, this happened to me, and this happened to me, and they need that validation, and that's what's so beautiful about therapy, because finally someone's witnessing and saying, yes, this is terrible, this is awful, you didn't deserve this. But I was at a place of, I'd had a lot of validation, and now what was I going to do with my story? Yeah. And that's where I think... That's when I started to go, well, what's the purpose of this? Because I do believe if suffering has no purpose, then fuck it. Excuse me. I mean, why are we here, right? So Mm -hmm. then you have to really think of like, what is this here to teach me? It's what makes life interesting when you try and challenge it and try and change it, fix it and see what life could be like. Right. It's like you have a control group for your life. You saw what it was and what it could have been. And now you see what it still could be. Right. By changing things. And I think that we could think, what a cruel joke. Sometimes I'm like, what a cruel joke that we we forget our essence. We forget that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. We, for, we come here to learn these things. But I think I was here to understand what it is to be a medium, what it is to be a therapist. I mean, the reason I became a therapist is I wanted to be a compassionate witness to people because I'd never had one. I felt so passionate about that. And now that all the things that have happened to me, I mean, just the stories and the details and the experiences – there are some exclusions, but there's a lot of people that come and I can sit in their presence and I can understand on some level what it was like mm-hmm. because of the things that have happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously, I don't know what it's like to be a person of color. I don't know what it's like to be um, homosexual or transgender. But when we're talking about suffering, forms of abuse, um, shame, guilt, it's a body human experience. Issues, yeah, it's a human experience. Mm-hmm. So and I feel and, and that's where I started feeling grateful. I know what it's like to be suicidal. So when someone says, I, I want to die, I don't freak out or panic because I know sometimes we just need to say, I want to die. And that it doesn't always mean we actually want to do it. Mm-hmm. So Wow. I got to take that in. Wow. <laughs> You're, that's, that's something I think only you can say. <laughs> I don't think I have any, any capacity to say that. But um, what is an intuitive medium? I know you, I, you have several, you have several options that you offer clients, Mm -hmm. but when people come to you for, uh, intuitive mediumship, Mm -hmm. medium, like a reading, mediumism, mediumship, uh, what, what are they looking for? Because when I hear medium, I just have to tell you, I am like sixth sense, (laughs) dead, only dead people. Um, and then I picture, okay, well, maybe she's Googled me or maybe she knows about my past or she or... But that's what I'm saying is you think, oh, this person knows about this has happened. They know about this has happened. It's it's all... They could say anything and I'll believe it type of situation. So the skeptics. Yeah. What do you do as an intuitive medium? Okay, so 
Um, a medium is someone who can not only connect psychically, which is really soul to soul, I like to call it soul to soul readings, but they can also connect to the people who have passed, um, souls that have passed, loved ones who have passed. Now, I always thought it was interesting that um, there is, I really, I really want to change the idea of this like spiritually elite where people say only some people are mediums and a lot of people are psychic because the truth is we can all do this. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm connecting soul to soul, like if I was reading you right now and I'm connecting soul to soul, why wouldn't I be able to connect to the soul of a spirit? person mm, you know mm. if we're spiritual beings and we're connecting on the soul level in this energy it doesn't make sense that everyone can be psychic but not everyone can be a medium yeah so oh i think there's this elitism of special gifts and i've, I've talked about this before that i used to think i was special because i could do this and that was kind of fun mm -hmm. um but then I realized that everyone can do it and so now i just want everyone to kind of have the experience not that they want to be mediums, but I think everyone should know what these spiritual capabilities are about because it's pretty cool. I'm so I didn't answer your question. Well, I'm picturing, <laughs> I'm picturing Harry Potter in a cupboard under the stairs getting letters from owls like, oh my gosh, I finally got this letter. It's telling me that I'm a medium and now I can oh, yeah. have this ability and now you swirling a wand and you can see spirits. No. I'm, so can you walk us through what that has looked like? Oh yeah. So, um, when, when I see someone from the other side, I don't see them with my eyes, like I'm looking at you. Mm -hmm. I see them in my mind's eye, which is like when you imagine standing on a beach, that's how I see them. They come to me in that um, projector in my head. And okay, I feel I them in my body. Like I feel them, I sense them. Um, intuitive language is emotional language. So if you think about anything that you felt intuitively, it usually comes through your body. Sometimes you'll hear something drop in, you'll sense something, the hair on your neck, mm -hmm. you'll feel it in your body. But it's not like the chirpiness of the mind where it goes, oh, a spirit's coming through and this and this and this and they're yeah. wearing this and this. It's not or like, like a that whisper at all. in your ear type of situation. It can be that. Okay. Um, mine isn't, I don't, I hear some things, but mostly I feel it. Um, I feel it in my heart space. It's, we each have our own intuitive vocabulary, which means intuition comes through our own energetic body in different ways. How a grandmother comes through to me on the other side will be different than how a grandmother may come through you. Mm -hmm. What your signs and symbols and meanings are, it's like a dictionary okay. that mean different things. So you have your own chart that equals different things. So a yes. butterfly for you might mean love. A butterfly for me might mean fear. That's a great way to put it. Okay. Got That's it. It's a great it. way to put it. Like someone the other day was one of, in one of my classes, two students were reading each other and someone said, I see you in Antarctica surrounded by ice. And the woman was like, that sounds awful. And the, the girl that was reading her goes, Oh, I love cold, isolated places. It makes me feel like I'm alone. It's solitude. So her meaning of it was very different. That was how her, yes. her intuition was coming through. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's not all the it's beautiful and magical, but it's not what the movies make it out to be. It's not scary at all. It's an energy. Because you're an picturing doing a seance with cards and candles and these things. And you see all these movies. Yeah, the movies that sensationalize mm -hmm. it and make it this, you know, door slamming shut. And then you get these power outages and then it's a spirit. It's just. Yeah. And I do I think that spirits can manipulate lights and phones and um, all kinds of things? Yes, but I don't think they do it to scare us. I have never experienced scary energy on the other side. 
If anything, it might just be, I'm trying to get your attention. It might be something playful. It's not, I just don't believe there's evil. I think evil comes from humans and the ego. I don't think our soul energy has any of that. I just, I don't entertain it. I don't believe it. I've never experienced it. It's like, if you believe that we are made out of pure love, then why would we go back to something other than that? Right. So- can well, and also the human mind. Now, if I wanted to believe yes. that there was evil, I could project that with my mind. Sure. But nothing has ever come through. The most, the darkest thing has come from humans or trauma. Like trauma can, you can see it as psychic energy in someone's body. And so I, someone may call it an entity. But mm. To me, that's psychic energy or trauma. I don't think of it as this evil being coming through from like a hooded figure. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't believe in that. Okay. You know, I have to have examples. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, okay. I don't think that something is going to, you know, happen right now, but what have you experienced physically? What have you seen? What's the, not, Oh, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? What's happened? But what are some things that are undeniably from a, a spirit side? Um, well, it's, you know, some of the most beautiful things is when I give a reading and I sense someone come through. Like I've had um, someone came to me and a young man had passed. And this was, this is kind of, anyway, the young man came through and he told me how to plan his funeral. He told me what surfboard, I didn't know he was a surfer. He told me what color surfboard. He told me he wanted a Hawaiian paddle out. He told me the flowers for his girlfriend's hair. It was so beautiful. He told me, that he really missed his best friend and they used to skateboard together. He showed me how he passed. Um, He was an accident hit by a car. Um, He showed me that he had this beautiful smile with these big white teeth. And so I could describe to, they would, you know, they come through and show me what they looked like, um, their hobbies, the things they like to do, things they ate, where they live. They can show you anything about their human life. And so he came through and he was like, this is what I want. And then he told me how he was showing up as his girlfriend. He was messing with her phone and the lights in her house. And um, who so were, then you, were someone, you speaking to his girlfriend? Or his... No, I was actually speaking to a friend of a friend, which is fascinating to me because you could say, well, maybe you were just reading this psychically, but that woman I was reading for didn't know him that well. She knew the friend who was the middle guy. Who was dealing with okay. the suffering. Okay. Yeah. So, you know. But she was the one who came forward with an opening yeah. to see it. She, she said, can you tell me anything about this guy's death? My friend's really suffering. And he came through and was like, tell them. Because she, she knew his friend would listen to her. So he came through. He said, this is what I want for my funeral. And then she sent me the video of the funeral. And it was beautiful. Or the celebration of life. That gives me chills. Yeah. And, okay. So that's a really happy example. Yeah. You, have you ever had anyone who has come to you asking for a reading, a a medium reading, Mm -hmm. and you completely, I mean, it's always a surprise if someone can tell you something that you don't think that they should know about you. Mm -hmm. But is there any, anything that you couldn't even understand that was coming through and you're like, what is this? And then they could translate. Oh, that's usually how it happens. Okay. So there's so often, it's not my job to interpret. Okay. As much as to get the information as clear as possible. So I'll feel Got in it. my body, there's a, like a woman coming close. She's older, her age. She's showing me she was about 80 when she passed. Um, she had curly hair. She had yellow slippers. I'm just giving an example. Sure. 
she was very sweet and um, she's showing me a mixing bowl. The other day I was like, and I'm seeing cornflower blue, that color. And the woman I was reading for held up her grandmother's mixing bowl and it had co- blue cornflowers around the rim. Um, okay. So there's a lot of times that they'll tell me something that I probably won't understand because it's so specific to their sure. human life. Sure, okay. Um, like the other day, this woman, her, she's had a lot of people pass lately, but her aunt and uncle passed and she's cleaning out their house. And she said, can you ask them things that they want me to keep? And so I went through and I said, there's, there's pictures of flowers on the wall. They're small pictures. They're framed. And she said, oh my God. She goes, my uncle did paint by numbers of these flowers and he framed them. And he said, before he dies, he said, please keep them. And so he sent the message. And then I said, I see green glassware, a casserole dish, an ashtray, and um, some ceramic bowls. And so like she was really like, really specific stuff. She was like, those are all things I brought from their house. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is a lot of the time I feel like it's people who they just want a little something. And it only, sometimes it's only a little tiny thing that people want mm-hmm. to hear. Oh, yeah, yeah. And oh, that is so cool. Well, that's, Do- this is my point is that I don't think people yet understand how much we can ask the other side. I don't think we ask enough. Like we can, when I say, what questions do you have? People are like, I have no idea. I think more than anything, they just want evidence. Yes. That they're there. Yes. But because I have a client who can see me every other week and she can get a reading and we can go in and in and in in more details, you know, then she's thinking of questions as we go along. And then I can ask them to come forward and then we can have a deeper conversation. But I think you're right. When people first come to me, they're just looking for evidence. Do people get addicted to this? Do people come and they're like, hey, I got to see you every day and talk to this person if they're in the middle of healing or if they, they're really struggling with something, they're trying to move forward and they just want to connect with this person? Um, I haven't seen that personally, but okay. I've heard that it can happen. I have had people that may come like twice a year okay, um, or on anniversaries, Okay, but I, I think it could happen. Is there any time of year or day or moon cycle that you have found is the best is is there a certain situation that is set up best for your readings no No? I think it's just how it's where I am got it and when you're when you're doing this work imagine that we are on fm our ego our mind our fear and the spirit world's on am so I have to move out of my ego my mind I can't be in my thinking mind at all except for like the processing mind that says there this is, what is I a flower coming through. This is what it means to me. I'm in a soul space. So it's a place of love. I can't be in fear. So if I am in my head at all, or if someone comes in, and if they're hard to read, which means they have walls up, they don't have an open heart, they say they want to know, but they don't trust, or they don't believe, or they don't really want to hear what you have to say, you can sense that. And it kind of puts up this like wall. Yeah. And I have to work really hard to go, no matter what that human is doing, I have to focus on the energy of their soul and the spirit world. AM. Yeah. Stay in AM, basically. Yeah. Okay. And fear or doubt will take you out of that connection immediately. Fully? Yeah. So it has. It can't be scarcity. It can't be any of that. It just no. has to be. Okay. No. That's so interesting because... It's total trust. Yeah. And letting go. 
And I bet it's challenging because people come in here very vulnerable and I'm assuming skeptical because they think I'm probably going to be the one person that she can't see or that something like that because it's it's easier to doubt than it is to believe sometimes. Oh, yeah. And and that's that's something I'm assuming is very challenging. But I want to move from being a medium and I'm sure we have more questions in a minute. But you said psychic abilities. Mm -hmm. All right, you, is that you being able to connect with who? Who can you connect with? Soul to soul, human. Only human. Yeah. Well, well, let's put it this way. Psychic ability allows me to connect to all things. Okay. Um, Mediumship is a word for those who connect to the other side. Okay. But you have to be able to be psychic to be able to be a medium. Now, again, they... People say not all psychics are mediums, but all mediums are psychic. But okay. I believe we're you believe all anyone has the ability. Yeah. But you have to be able to develop that psychic ability to connect with the spirit world. Sure. Because the psychic language, that soul to soul language, that intuitive language, it's all different words, but that's how you communicate and and do some interpretation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm interpreting the symbols I'm getting and delivering mm-hmm. what I feel the message is. Mm-hmm. So is if your I'm, what I was gonna say? I mean, is is your husband saying, "Hey, babe, am I gonna miss this flight? Can you look into the future and see like how that's going?" <laughs> no, I mean, let's put it this way: I don't do fortune telling readings. Okay, I don't okay. do that kind of thing because I believe we all have free will. So it's really up to us. Like I could see a person, like if someone's looking for a partner, I could see someone coming, but I can also see that that soul is saying, their soul is saying. There's some things that need to heal in order for them to be ready for that relationship. Oh, got it, got it. But I also feel that it's up to that individual to choose the things to get to that person. So that is a path. That is a path, right? So you're able it's to not see the only a path. path. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I was with a client the other day, and I was telling him that I have a lot of jobs, like I have a lot going on. And he said, he gave me some sage wisdom. He said you're not going to make a wrong decision. You're just going to go down a different path. Mm -hmm. So whatever decision you make, think about it and see if it's going to potentially lead you down that path. Mm -hmm. And I like the way he said that because it really is true. There's, again, you don't really get that control group. You don't get to see what would have happened otherwise. Mm -hmm. But when people come to you, what are they often, is there a specific desire that people have that they want to see? A lot of it's relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's what most people want is to connect. Some of it is their work and their purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so when someone comes to me, what's interesting is that I'm in service to the soul, not the human ego. Mm-hmm. But I have to work with the human ego in order to get the message through. Mm-hmm. So when I connect soul to soul, the soul often most likely gives me this beautiful reflection of the person's essence. Mm-hmm. So I see images Um, sometimes it's a beautiful flower. Sometimes it's a sunrise. Sometimes it's a still ocean or lake. Sometimes it's colors like moving around. It's never the same image or the Mm. same combination, but I love that. It's like the soul holds up a mirror to the human for them Mm. to see for a moment. Mm. And then the soul tells me this, what, what is next for them to be healed? Like, um, their relationship to, asking for more for their life, their relationship to boundaries, their relationship to their current relationship, their relationship to their body. But the human might be asking me, 
the human might be saying, well, I'm in relationship to this person and I just, I'm curious, is this the right person for me? You know, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. And mm. the soul says, that person really needs to get clear about who they are and really needs to get clear about their boundaries and asking for more for themselves. I deliver that message and the human goes, but I'm really wondering if they're going to call me and if I'm, this is going to work out. And the soul is saying, <laughs> it's going to work out only... <laughs> Only if you if, get clear. Yeah, it's not going to work out because mm -hmm. this is not the right person for you. But yes. the human often doesn't want to hear that. I had someone come to me a couple of times and the first time they were in a relationship, she was moving to be with this person and I saw that this guy had some really strong narcissistic tendencies. I saw that. And you just that saw that through never meeting him, nothing. Never meeting him. I could just feel the energy sure. of the relationship. And I told her, be careful. But I could tell her human was not going to hear if I said, don't go. Or don't uh -huh. be with this person. Mm -hmm. She wasn't prepared. Six months later, she wrote me. She said, the things that you said, they came true. He ended up being, I left him. Another relationship came. Similar situation. And I said, this is what needs to be healed. The third time she came to me, I said, do you notice that you're not pattern. willing to look at this pattern? And I said, I'm telling you now because the first time you wouldn't hear me. But I'm wondering if you could hear me now. And she said she could. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? It totally makes sense because people don't recognize everything is 20. Hindsight is always 20, 20. Mm -hmm. People don't, I'm sorry. In my experience, I haven't been able to learn a lesson until I'm fully out of it. Yeah. And it's, it's really tough to catch yourself in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've feel like I've done a pretty good job of understanding how to catch myself in small moments now but in order to get to the big moments and be able to recognize things in the big moments that are happening I have to start with the small things yeah. so I'm just I'm working on that personally which has been nice like yesterday it was boom 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 so much to do with so many different jobs and I had to be very clear mm -hmm. and I pictured myself a year ago and I thought and I even talked about this on social media the other day a year ago I would not have been able to function I would have ended the day been in my room completely in solitude wouldn't want to be around anyone and and there's a difference between solitude to you know re-energize and get clear and a one to avoid mm -hmm. and I would be so avoidant I was getting all these crazy body issues like crazy cystic acne UTIs once a month just wild body telling me to stop yeah. and what I can do now or what I practice doing now is I'll even write in my morning. I'm like, today's a big day. Be as present as possible or else you're going to go wild because sh shit spins. Right. Everything just starts to spin. Mm -hmm. And if you can catch yourself in those small moments in the beginning while you're learning that lesson, otherwise I'm in that pattern. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to live like that. I can't. No. I cannot do it. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. That leads me into the next point. The next topic. So the other night we were having dinner. It was a little spicy, but I was fine with that. And I still wanted to have my dessert afterwards. So that night I wasn't doing my dark chocolate squares. I was going to do my Organifi Healthy Hot Chocolate. It's a gold hot chocolate superfood elixir. I drink it almost every day, but it's got cacao. It's a hot beverage. It's, you know, barely any sugar. It's really just one of those drinks that makes you feel 
it makes you feel warm. It makes you feel cozy, but it doesn't have any blood sugar spiking ingredients. It's really just made from cacao, uh, coconut milk alternatives. It's got reishi, different mushrooms that help to relax you and put you to sleep. Reishi mushrooms, ginger, digestion, turmeric, that type of thing. Anyway, so I was making my hot chocolate and I walk into the kitchen and I realized it's already out. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I didn't leave it out. Apparently, Jake has been making regular chocolate milk with it because he doesn't like super hot things. He doesn't like hot temperature things. I do. I'm like hot, hot, hot all day long. He wanted it icy. So I see him in there with his protein shaker and he's gotten a little bit of extra cinnamon. He's got one half of the scoop of the Organifi chocolate gold. And then he did a little bit of oat milk that was homemade, not to toot my own horn. And then he was mixing it up. And I thought this was a genius idea. So he likes it cold. I like it hot. And it really just helps to settle us down before bed. It's got, like I said, ingredients like turmeric, reishi mushrooms, ginger, and it's really designed to help support rest, relaxation, recovery, and repair while also providing nutritious beverage. So it's organic, gluten-free, glyphosate residue-free, dairy-free, soy-free, non-GMO, clinically proven, and 100% organic whole food. So if you like a sweet treat at the end of the day, but you want to keep it healthy, and you also don't want to spike your blood sugar so that you won't be able to sleep, that is a huge pitfall that people run into with desserts. That is why you need to try Organifi Chocolate Gold. You can use the code HTH at checkout for 20% off to get these high quality ingredients. If you buy one of these tubs, I think it will last you at least a month and a half. It's amazing. Use half a scoop, use some oat milk, coconut milk, and you cannot go wrong. Again, that's 20% off if you use the code HTH at checkout. Again, that's code HTH at checkout for 20% off. And I will link it in the show notes, but it's the Organifi Chocolate Gold. And you can use that code for any products on their website to get 20% off. Again, HTH. Thank you so much, Organifi, for sponsoring this episode of Hotter Than Hell. Some of you may have noticed that I have added a little something into my morning routine. You know that, of course, I like to get my workout in. I do a little bit of decaf, but over the past couple weeks, I have been doing more actual caffeine. So I noticed that I have been getting those energy slumps in the midday. So what I've been doing is actually incorporating breath work and it goes along with my decaf. So instead of caffeine, I will do breath work and only a little bit of the caffeine in the morning. So here's what I do. I do my water and then I do a mini meditation sometimes or I just journal or I just, if I'm if I'm in that headspace where I just want to do something, I don't need to sit down and be super calm, then I'll knock out a two minute breath work. So this genuinely feels like I'm taking a shot of espresso. It's really fantastic also before I go into the gym. It, it's super quick and while alleviating stress that I normally feel in the morning before I get my day started, I kind of anticipate the entire day. I have found that breath work will alleviate that stress while also giving me energy. So it's alleviating anxiety, increasing my energy and focus. Like when I do this breath work and then I head into the gym, I am focused. It's so fantastic. Helps me relax when I do it at night. I did get Jake to do it with me a couple of times. He rolled his eyes at the first 30 seconds. And then after the first, after about 90 minutes to two, two minutes or 90 seconds to two minutes, he was, he was in. <laughs> 
and we got a great night's sleep. But this is really great if you want to start incorporating more breath work into your daily practice, but really fantastic for fostering creativity. It just has endless benefits. I cannot even explain to you. You're going to just have to try it yourself. I'm so happy that I got to reach out to open so that they could you know, hook us up with a little bit of incentive. So you can go to openwithopen.com slash hotter. Again, withopen.com slash hotter. I'll be sharing that uh, code on social media as too, but I work with them and they will give you 30 days for free to try it out. See if you like it as much as I do. Again, there'll be a link in the show notes, but it's withopen.com slash hotter for 30 days free. You can get on-demand breath, on-demand breath work, meditation, yoga, Pilates, and more. It's unlimited. You will love it. Thank you so much for sponsoring this week's episode. What are some of the tools that you have cultivated since you were 26 when, well, that was when you left your nuclear family or you cut ties, but even before that, what were some of the skills and tools that you were developing to heal yourself and to recognize what had been happening? Um, well, I don't think I had any tools before. <laughs> like no. zero? <laughs> um, I started journaling uh-huh. um, and that was... That was so helpful. It was interesting. I couldn't journal until I ended my relationship to my mother, really. I mean, I used to journal a little bit, but I felt like once I cut ties with her, I could be as honest in my journal as possible. But that was like an outlet. Um, so journaling and therapy were huge for me. Exercise was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, those were things to get me into my body because I was so disassociated and traumatized. So getting Can you into talk my body. about disassociation? Yeah. Because I... Can you talk about it? Yeah. Well, you know, disassociation is a beautiful survival tool that happens, you know, I think it can happen in any trauma, but especially when we're kids, if we're in complex trauma, repeated trauma, the mind compartmentalizes and it feels like a separation energetically from the body. Like when it happens to me, I feel almost like I'm under anesthesia. I can feel like I'm floating in the trees. Um, It almost feels like my body is this separate from me completely. And I'm just kind of bouncing around or lumbering through this. Um, it's not feeling your feet, feeling your legs Mm -hmm. at all. It's, um, it's a mental compartmentalization away from reality. Do you think that there are ways to do it where even if you're, even if I've, let's use me for example, if I'm meditating every single day and it's, you know, starting out just breathing, getting in your body and then you still, let's say you're meditating every single day for six months and you still, after those six months are over, you look back a year ago and you think, I didn't, I didn't feel anything other than anxiety for a certain amount of time. Is that disassociation or is that just anxiety? Hmm. Because I feel like when I had gone through certain moments, whether it was in college or after, I would almost go into this defense mechanism of not laughing it off, but a little laughing it off. Mm-hmm. And even though it was like a crazy car accident and I just remember making jokes the entire time that I was like in a stretcher, you know, and neck brace, all that stuff. And I just remember thinking, okay, just you'll get over it. You'll get over it. You'll get over it. You'll be fine. You can walk. You're, you'll be okay. But it's still affected 
the way that I sit in cars with people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So is, was that disassociation or was that just fight or flight fear trauma? Well, I think the trauma never was processed, so yeah. it was never completed mm-hmm. because I imagine at the time you didn't process the feelings. I mean, we're not taught oh, when no. something happens to us. You see animals discharge the energy around like being chased or something happening. They really allow their body to move through it. Yeah. But we as humans don't often do that. So that trauma gets stored into our body. Oh, yeah. And it manifests as anxiety. It can manifest as dissociation because we okay. can't be in our body because there's a secret or something that yeah. needs to be healed that lives there that mm-hmm. we're not ready to confront. Like you have crazy neck pain and you don't know why, but then you release some sort of guilt or trauma or shame. And yeah. then, okay. Yeah. So I think it's a couple of things. Um, but unhealed trauma will definitely manifest as dissociation or anxiety. I mean, even after all the work I do, I still dissociate pretty easily. I mean, you know, when you grow up in something like that, you're constantly asking, is the world a safe place? And there's a lot of evidence the world isn't a safe place. So throughout my day, I have to kind of consciously or unconsciously remind myself it's safe enough, it's safe enough, it's safe enough in different situations to bring me back. Mm -hmm. But when you've spent most of your life dissociating, it's a real easy go-to. Yeah. Um, but now I've, I know the symptoms and the signs of it. Um, you can catch yourself in the middle of it. Yeah. And so I tried to bring me back. Mm -hmm. And that's feeling my feelings is what brings me back. I want to talk about kids. Mm -hmm. How old are your children? Nine and 13. Okay, cool. They're going to be cool kids. (laughs) They are cool kids. They're pretty awesome. Amazing. And they have two therapists as parents. Yeah. What is it like when they come from, from school? Okay, sit down, write in your feelings journal. Well, you homeschool. Yeah. So tell me about that. What has it been like to be around as a very energetic energetically sensitive person or in tune person you and Lair what is it like to even let's even go back to just COVID for the past couple of years what has it been like to feel that amount of energy from other people in the house who are even that young who can't really process or comprehend what's really going on yeah I mean our life didn't change so much but what's it like to be around them um well one of them the youngest is pretty chill And the other one is a really highly sensitive empath. I mean, the younger one is too, but my older one, he talks about it all the time. And um, he's got a lot of like energy that needs to go somewhere so you can feel it. And it's hard sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. we bump up against each other. I can feel him so easily. Um, So I just have to set boundaries. I just have to tell myself it's not my business, you know, to get into his energy field. But it, you know, it was hard to watch them be so scared. Yeah. I mean, they were really scared. And the thing that's beautiful is that they do talk about their feelings. Like they'll say to me, I get to have my feelings. And I'm like, you're right. And they're like, you're not validating my feelings. They don't say that. They do. (laughs) They do. (laughs) I mean, my my, um, my youngest the other day, he was like, I get to have my feelings. And I'm like, you're right. Oh, sorry. And you're like, you know what? Uh, what, what, like, how do you, I say, you're absolutely right. You're right. I didn't make room for your feelings because I don't treat them like children. I treat them like human beings. Yeah. And I'm not always great. You know, Lara and I were raised with authoritarian parent style parenting. And sometimes our first impulse is to do that, like authoritarian sure. thing. And I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's restart. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's make a different choice or sure. let's talk this through. Um, I mean, it's up and down, but sure. 
But at the end of the day, I think our kids trust us because we do apologize and take responsibility when we get it wrong. And we do acknowledge, like, you're right. That's great. Yeah. Do you, that's super validating. Talk about validating. Wow. Like, <laughs> your parents telling was, you, hey, I don't I'm know about you, but wrong. my parents never <laughs> apologized. Well, I think my, uh, my mom definitely would apologize. My dad would sometimes, mm-hmm. but I think I'd have to look back and unpack some things to see. But I mean, still so loving and I can't complain. So there's yeah. that. But again, still humans, still, I disagree with some things and I'll, I will raise my children in a certain way that is influenced by them, but also it's very different from them. Yeah. You know? But that's because they're two different people and I'm a third. It's all different. But are, are your kids ever saying, hey, can you, I don't even know the proper terminology, but can you be psychic for me for a second or can you talk to this person they never they never talk about that no I mean um my oldest uh I don't think they understand it my oldest has once said he saw Blair my husband's um aunt he didn't go very far with it he just said I knew it um but like my little one I realized how sensitive he was because he's um being a camp counselor and he Mm. was having a really hard time being around all these kids and he was really emotional at the end of the week a couple weeks ago and then one day he was like I'm gonna run around barefoot and he ran around barefoot that whole week and it just grounded all that energy and I just thought you wise little being you knew that you needed to go barefoot um but no I don't I don't even think yeah well do you think what do you think about generational capabilities do you think that since even if they're not getting lessons from you on how to tap into being a medium or intuition, anything like that. Do you think that they will have an easier time if they want to tap into this as really sensitive empaths? Yeah. I mean, I think that children come in with it and then they're taught to forget it. Like I think we're all intuitive and we forget. I think children see things naturally. I, I think they're just so close to that realm when they come in. But I think because we nurture it and we talk about it, that there's never any denial of it. So if they want to see it, they, I think my oldest may know how to see, but he, I think it makes him a little nervous. He's Mm -hmm. a little more anxious about stuff. Sure. Um, Where my youngest may not even, he he may not want to see. I don't know. They haven't, they haven't said too much about it. But they'll probably still have less resistance to it. Yeah. And I think children are coming more and more sensitive. And I don't know if it's because the parents are more welcoming of it or if there's just a heightened state of sensitivity Mm -hmm. um, because it's needed right now. Okay. As we start to wrap things up, I still have some questions about your household and how that also works. But before I get into that, do you believe in soulmates? Okay. Um, (laughs) Yes, in the sense that I think Lair and I have traveled many lifetimes together. And that that's part of what makes this life so easy is that we just know, you know, Mm -hmm. I do. Um, And I think soulmates can be many different things. I think you can have a soulmate with an animal. I think you can have a soulmate with a partner. Do I think there's one person for everyone in this life? I don't know because it may not be that soul's path to have a soulmate in this life. Because I think we choose, before we come here, I think we choose our parents. We know what kind of experiences we're going to have and then we come through and of course we lose that knowing and then we have the experiences but I think some people may have chosen to be alone in this life and in other lifetimes they've been surrounded by people Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. in this life I was the victim of abuse but maybe in another life I was a perpetrator that's actually 
so is that is that based on karma? What do you think about karma? Is that a whole different type of spiritual spirituality? No, I think um, I think karma can be things we didn't learn in other lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Could karma be like if I had bad karma in another lifetime? You know, I think th- I think this could be two things. Could it be that I did bad things in another life, so I chose to be this in this life, or that's my mm. karma? But I kind of think more, I came to experience all different types of things. Yeah. And so I think karma for me is more the consequences of your choices. Mm-hmm. So like you were saying, people repeating patterns, mm-hmm. I believe that we are fated to have certain experiences in this life and meet certain people. If we fulfill our destiny, it's what we do with those fated experiences and people. So we could do nothing with those things and never fulfill our destiny. Mm-hmm. Or we could learn from all those experiences or relationships, grow with them, leave them, evolve from them, and then we reach our potential and fulfill that destiny in this life. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So karma feels to me more of the consequences of our actions and choices. Okay. And now I want to hear about your day-to-day. As, as someone who is practicing grounding all the time you know we talked about earthing and having your feet in the ground and having uh different stones and anything that you do what is your day-to-day like can you walk us through (laughs) a normal day like we love to hear about morning routines we love to hear about bodily functions and like what's going on can you walk us through a day-to-day of how you spend like a normal weekday oh yeah if I'm um well, I have coffee with Lair outside, and mm-hmm. we watch the dogs run. Um, what time are you waking up? Are you an early riser? Right now, five or six. Okay. It's not my favorite, but because we have a puppy. Um, oh, and she's And amazing. the boys, what? She's amazing. <laughs> the boys know. I have an early riser. He's always been an early riser, my oldest. So he knows, like, that's quiet time. And he loves audiobooks. So he goes and does his own things. He goes and plays with Legos. And he's always been this way. There are one that gets up early and listens to his audiobooks. Oh, my God. So Lair and I have coffee. What? Dream child. Amazing. Um, Fair. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a whole other podcast about <laughs> food allergies and affecting you neurologically. That was the first 10 years of his life. So I actually think maybe we discussed it lightly with layer, but I don't think we did that much. But okay, yeah, that's a big one. That's it's a huge one that I think could help a lot of parents. Yes, um, we should he, do it. We should do a part two talking about food sensitivities and how to stay grounded and how to navigate that. Yeah, and how they can create emotional instability and mood disorders and volatility and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. Yeah. Gr- um. Uh, yes, we will do a part two. So my ideal that ideal morning child was also um. It was so challenging, but we, it's quiet time in our house. We have coffee and then I do some sort of like exercise right now. It's swimming. And then where are you uh, swimming? Do you guys in have our a pool? pool? Oh, you have a pool. Yeah. Oh, we have a pool care. out there. Um, and then I like a long morning. So s- some mornings I go to the horses, some mornings I have my own therapy. Um, I'm trying to think what I do. Yeah. So, you know, I guess you're asking me like what grounds me. I want to know also, like, what are you eating? You're, oh, you we are... drink celery juice or lemon water. <laughs> and then I do I mean, a heavy metal detox smoothie. Um, with what? Like really s- it's strong It's a medical herbs. medium one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, my friend who has had a chronic illness for a couple of years, that saved her life. What's um, in the smoothie? Because I love medical medium. I oh, think he's the, so interesting. The wild blueberries, cilantro, orange juice, spirulina, dulce, 
and barley grass juice powder. Amazing. So amazing. And I have um, Epstein Bar, which used to flare up a lot. Oh, wow. I gave up pork, dairy, milk, a little bit in my coffee, mm-hmm. um, and eggs. And then I've been doing lemon balm and the heavy metal detox smoothie for a while, and I haven't had any... You haven't had any flare-ups? Not in a long time, except when I had COVID. But I also have watched my stress, so I think the combination sure. of those sure. has helped a lot. Damn, cilantro is going to save us all. I believe that fully. Okay, so you do your celery or lemon water in the, every single morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're already starting out super hydrated. Yeah. Like, you don't have pores. You are so clear. <laughs> the whites of your eyes. I was, I was like, I walked in, and I had only seen you on social media, and I thought, okay, this is what she looks like. Oh, my God. Oh. You are a unicorn. Thank so you. just keep on going. We're all taking notes. You guys make sure you check out Ashley on social media. I'll put all of her information in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. You're like, <laughs> stop. <laughs> okay. So you swim, you have your, uh, celery juice, lemon water, and your amazing smoothie. Yes. But I, I do want to add, I think the most important thing that we should all be doing mm-hmm. is tending to our hearts. Now, People will say, well, I don't want to feel my feelings, and that, that's uncomfortable, but... Those are busy people. <laughs> imagining your heart is like a garden, right? And you have grief, sadness, even joy, some anger, um, some guilt or shame. And every day, you know, some of those, like, get flared up. And I think we just jump over all those experiences constantly. And what I've learned is that if the heart is the voice of the soul and we're not clearing our heart on a regular basis, then that signal's not clear. Mm-hmm. We're getting clouded with all these feelings that we're avoiding. And then we are anxious, depressed, you know, seeking out comfort from addictive sources. We're lethargic and tired. But in this work, I try to feel into my heart every day at least once. And if I don't feel the tears spring from my eyes, I kind of feel gypped. And those could be tears of joy. Those could be tears of sadness. Those could be tears of grief. They could be tears of, I'm so happy to be here. Sure. But it's like, I have to check in and how I am. And it's not a head check. It's a heart check. Mm -hmm. Because when you do that, you can feel your energy move into your body. And all of a sudden, you can feel grateful. Like gratitude, it's not about lists to me. You know, because I think that's okay. You're like, oh, write down your 10 things that you're happy for. Like, I love dogs. Feel it. Yeah. That it doesn't mean anything. See, that's what I mean about dissociation. Like, I could say 10 million things that I'm grateful for. I could go volunteer for 10 hours. I could go do all these things. But I was like, I'm numb. Why can't I? And meditation won't help. Even sex was not that great. Like, I was like, uh, because you're not embodied. Yeah. And the only way I think we get to our bodies is Mm -hmm. through our hearts. Mm -hmm. It's, Like, and part of that is through the fifth chakra, that Mm -hmm. bridge between the upper chakras, which is our intuition and our connection to Mm -hmm. spirit, down to our heart space. But if we're not feeling our feelings, then how can we be in our body? I have been told by numerous people that I've, uh, not clogged throat chakra, but there's blockage Mm -hmm. there. But that's a whole other story, a whole other time. But, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. How did, what were the practices that you, like, how do you get into your heart because it's one thing to just say okay think about your heart it's right here you know how are you doing that well I can't sit meditation like traumatized people I think to ask them to sit in meditation is really hard because sitting still can make you feel like a target and if you have energy that needs to move Mm -hmm. so um while journaling is great I find that I have to be in nature so Mm -hmm. I go for walks and I just watch my mind starts to dump 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 clear out yeah and then at some point I hit something that's different and I start to feel 
and swimming helps. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to get in my car and when I drive out to John's Island, it's like a 30 minute drive. I just turn on my favorite station and listen to songs and there's something that tugs at a chord. And I think about my clients and their joys this week, or I think about things that they're, they're going through a hard time and I mourn for them. And I just think about my kids and my relationship and things that are going on for me. So you do something to actually elicit an yes. emotional response. Yeah. And it's and usually it will... nature music or movement. That's actually really true because I'm, I'm picturing people will, if anything sad ever happens, you know, you send flowers, but I'm like, trust me on Father's Day or on whatever day, they're not that sad. It's a Wednesday when they're driving over the bridge and they're listening to a song and it's, it's, it's at 2 PM when nobody's around, yeah. you know, yeah. that's really what it is. Okay. Yeah. I love that. So it's intentional. And I like that you're not just saying, you know, you wake up, you put your feet on the ground, you do all this, which is great. No. But, but I'm like, we have a, <laughs> the world runs, runs anxious. We, we need to be able to get out and move around a little bit. Yeah. What would you say? Um, I guess music is a good one, but if you're not living in Charleston, if you're living in, we have a lot of listeners in like Canada or Australia. What about when it's freezing cold and there's seasonal depression happening and you're starting to recognize those feelings maybe? That's a tough one. Yeah. You know, I think if you, if I can't move my body, it's tough. So, I mean, yeah. I would just say any form of exercise that you could do. I don't know if people like yoga, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, listening stretching. to music, stretching, mm -hmm. doing something physical to mm -hmm. move would be great. I mean, you could even cook. Yeah. Um, Cleaning and rearranging furniture. Or but like, doing it uh, intentionally. Yeah. It has to be intentional. Like, I know why I'm doing this. It can't be unconscious. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And I also, do you think that that has anything to do with I said sex and now I'm thinking about a sex, but do you think that that's also a way that people have, I know it's a way that people have disassociated or tried to feel a feeling through sex, mm -hmm. you know, what do you think, what do you think about that or how do you well, that's recognize that? Cause, cause my partner is so, I feel so blessed. He's so safe to me that he has always been, sex with him has always been a way to get me in my body. So we kind of used to joke. And when we first met, sometimes I would just cry, but it wasn't because I was crying. <laughs> I know I'd be like, I'm so sorry. And he would He's laugh. like, I'm trying to get into your body and you're in yours so much that you're crying. But after I would orgasm, I would just start like crying. It would be like my heart opened and you're like, finally I feel body. something. And he knows that. So he's like, he doesn't care. He's but it, over here like yeah, brushing it off his so shoulder. <laughs> he's like, yeah, man. He's like, everyone share this podcast. <laughs> totally. He's like, she orgasmed and she's in her body. Her heart's open. Oh my God. That is so and funny. And he knew it too. He was like, you've landed. Um, so that was really interesting. That was one of the Jake, first times Jake, if you're listening, we're going to land later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to laugh so hard. But he has not listened to this in like seven months, but I will send him this episode. <laughs> no, but, um, I know what's really sad is I don't know many women that actually haven't been able, have been able to stay present during sex unless they've done some healing around their sexuality sure. or around trauma many women are um disassociated when it's so crazy because I hear so many guys are like yeah my my girl all the time every single time just like clockwork we know what to do I'm like yeah but it also sounds like there's a vibrator involved it sounds you know if she has I feel like oftentimes women are like yeah I mean I can do it to myself and that's fine I know how to climax that way but because it's just you. You're safe. You're clearly in a safe space where it's just you, just yeah. your body. But then when it becomes, and I also think that, and maybe this is a, a stigma that I need to get away from, but women want to please men. 
too mm-hmm. in bed. Well, so, we're taught to please men. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, look at all the like porn out there. Oh my god. It's not really about men like seeking us out no. trying to please them. I mean, women are doing things to their bodies so that they're appealing. And- yeah, I'm like, there's no way that like froggy style is getting you off right now. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. But that's also just me. Maybe that's my personal experience. Like it's but it's they're like, oh well, I love that it gets this per like my partner excited. Mm-hmm. Which there's nothing wrong with that. That's amazing. But when it it no longer includes your pleasure, that's the problem. Right. You know? And I think that men are almost easier to tap into that. Mm-hmm. So, because they can compartmentalize. They're like, hey, we are right here doing yeah. this thing. And that's awesome. That's not, not a fault to them. It's more recognizing that if, you know, we should be able to climax and have that type of experience and Absolutely. like it's only fair right and I who was I listening to the other day they it was some comedian I think and it was a guy and he said did you know women don't have to have an orgasm to get pregnant and I was like <laughs> I was like sir please put this microphone down you don't need your platform it was yeah. so funny but it really is a realization and it's not often that women can get off all the time. Mm-hmm. This could turn into a sex podcast. I know that. Well, no, but I mean, a- I think women were just like, I think sexuality is encouraged in men mm-hmm. and women. I mean, I'm hopefully hoping it's changing, but when I hear about young girls on social media, they're mm-hmm. still buying into that. Sure. I have to be sexy. My body. So yes. that's what it's this. They're like be feminine, but not slutty and be feminine. But what is this? It's, it's so a- much work. Yeah. Pressure. Yeah. And we're not really taught to like nurture our sexuality, be interested in it, talk about it. Yeah. I, mean, ha- I mean, maybe it's changing, but I didn't grow up around women who were talking about their periods or talking mm-hmm. about their sex life. Even friends I know, I mean, it barely comes up. Yeah. But I know like Lair and his friends can talk about it openly. Sure. Um, so I think it's still something we're trying to heal and figure out. Mm-hmm. And, Again, uh, all and how to be embodied mm-hmm. and present, mm-hmm. but also how do we choose partners that can meet us there? And yeah. be connected, even if it's not a long term, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a, sex is a weird thing because I'm like, it's one of the most vulnerable things, but mm-hmm. people think it's not vulnerable. I'm oh like, my gosh. So well, it's, is it's not, you? it's not like to me, it's not the necessarily the, the penetration of it all. It's the, it's the relaxation and trusting that your partner has your best interest at mind. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's how I picture it because mm-hmm. I feel that I'm a very touchy-feely person, so it it doesn't give me as much sensation, not sensation, but I don't, it's more about the connection and the the trust of it as it is, it's less about the physical adjoining. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's how I feel about that. No, it makes sense. Okay, so you have your smoothie. <laughs> You have your smoothie and then it kind of walk and us through the rest sex of the day. With Lair. Grounding morning every sex. morning. Just joking. <laughs> I was like, I was like, totally I'm kidding. touching all the surfaces in your house. And <laughs> totally kidding. Uh, no, that's if you said that, I was like, I'm changing my lifestyle. Right. I'm, I'm going. Yes, with two kids and three animals running around, we are having grounding morning sex after coffee. No. I will say though, after I'm not a night sex person. Afternoon morning is definitely the best. Mm. That's how I feel. Mm. But at the end of the day, I'm like too many factors like I could be super bloated I'm tired I gotta wake up early it's like I morning afternoon way better <laughs> anyways go ahead <laughs> you're like oh. I could do it anytime <laughs> no. so you're so you're what's what's your uh 
lunch like? What are some of the things that you enjoy eating that make you feel good? Um, it's a nutrition well, I'm, podcast. I'm, now I'm trying to eat less meat. I've been trying to really kind of adjust to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel better. Um, and uh, what do I love to eat? I like, what do I love to eat? I mean, I start off with a smoothie and then I love hummus. I love um, tomato sandwiches right now with the oh. summer tomatoes are so good. Yeah. It's like summer reminds me of how much I love mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what it is. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Um, yeah. And I've recently, um, I'm so excited because I've always wanted to do this and I haven't done it, but I made some pesto with my pesto plants and that, I mean, my basil, Your basil plants, plants. that felt good. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're just, my boys, they, they love um, YouTube and they saw a video about the vegan impossible burger. So they want to eat, eat less meat. And I'm so excited because I've been wanting to, and I have been. But, it's um, tough when you have all the different... But I need to get all of them on board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's something that I make that I haven't made in a while. Jake's going to listen to this and be like, you haven't made this shit in a year. And I'm, but it's um, ground up. You could use any kind of nut, but not a dry one. So I use walnuts. Um, it's ground walnuts, cooked lentils, mushrooms, and onion and garlic. Mm. And you blend it, but not blend it. You just pulverize it a little bit so it's like a meat sauce and that's a bolognese it is oh, in that sane. sounds so good oh and you do it over zoodles or whatever kind of lentil pasta you want and it is divine it's oh, so that so, sounds good. so good and this, you have all this fresh basil this um atlas food company yeah I'm give them a promo they uh, I emailed they me make i need version, to email them back but um the reason I'm saying that is because of what I went through with my oldest, I used to love to cook and I was really like, yeah, I'm out of the kitchen for, it was so, I, I was traumatized from it. Um, going, I used to have panic attacks going to the grocery Aww. store, having to read ingredients and things like that. So, um, I've been watching when I had COVID, I watched the great British bake off and it's been healing me. So good. Like I'm finally like coming back to cooking. So me making some homemade um, pesto has been a big deal because we actually have a woman that cooks for us um, for three nights and it's like dairy free, free gluten free and then we source out from Atlas and then Lair cooks the other and, <laughs> y'all haven't yeah. figured out I, well I'm just like I, Boundaries. I couldn't mm-hmm. well I just with all the food stuff I was like I can't cook right now I'm like um, so I feel grateful that we can have that really healthy food come to us that's really nice yeah so I don't want to give the idea that I'm over here like making pesto and no. all you have to do is have a home chef and then have food delivered to you all the time like all you gotta do and it's all super simple guys cilantro smoothie morning sex and then a personal chef it's like right. guys oh, I sound like a total asshole no you do not that actually surprised me that you said that because I'm like really because you're just I would never have guessed. I Which thought you'd part? be well. I thought you would be in the kitchen whipping organic pies all the time. You know. Oh, you know, I used to. Lo- I used to love to cook, and yeah. then that happened, and I mm. was scarred. So I'm coming back, but yeah. um, I don't have enough time. I'm working too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of that, we're gonna do a mini giveaway. Oh yes. And uh, I was gonna say, oh my god, we forgot about your night routine, but we'll get back to that. We'll do. We'll do a part two. We've got to do a part two. Okay. But, um, and talk about food sensitivities and sex. So we're doing a giveaway and you will do either a psychic or medium reading. Which one would you prefer? Do you think that they could choose? Oh, they can choose. Okay. Yeah. I, some, a lot of times when I do a reading, I'll connect soul to soul and then I'll connect soul to spirit world. And then I just see which, which one is guiding me. Mm -hmm. And I usually do a weaving of the two, but I'm also happy to just do solely intuitive soul to soul or solely mediumistic. So it's really their choice. Got it. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. Yeah. This has been so much fun thank and you. you're a wealth of knowledge. And I think that more people need to hear this side of things and be open to different types of spirituality that don't have to be going to church and they don't have yeah. to be, you know, praying before every meal or it's just a nice perspective. And, yeah. and it's, it's really is fun. I mean, the spirit world, when they come through, they say all the time, have fun with this. The more we laugh, like I connected with a woman and she made a joke and we had a laugh and then the, her loved ones were just flying through oh. because she was open hearted. They were excited. The vibration was high. And I, that word is so overused, but they're not suffering over there. Yeah. If I can get anything through, they are in love. They're just, it's, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful that sometimes it brings tears to my eyes because the love is so powerful, but we miss it because we're so in our heads. Was there anything that came to you when you met me? I know you didn't search for it. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I don't. Okay. I, I, I really am respectful of boundaries. Great. So like, Great. I don't do that. I know some people do, but. Well, I was just, that's what I was thinking. I thought, oh my God, she's reading inside my mind right now, no. but it's not telepathy and it's not. Okay. No, but there are people that would do that. Sure. And, um. Well, thank you. For yeah, that. I just don't think that's appropriate, you know. Uh, <laughs> Again, part two. <laughs> part yeah, two. if you ever want me to do it and do it on well, the podcast, I'll be happy to. But I promise you we will do a part two. I think that would be so fun. And that, will, that way we can also, whoever is selected for this giveaway, all you have to do is write a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know that you liked this episode and or a double entry Go to my most recent Instagram post on Hotter Than Health Podcast. Comment your favorite part of this episode specifically. And that way I know that you were listening and you enjoyed. And then you'll be entered into win. And maybe after you have that session with them, if they want to come on and talk about it and talk about their experience. Have you ever had clients come onto your podcast? Not yet. We're thinking about doing it next time. But I thought as a thank you, I'll give you a reading when oh, you're ready. I'm, I would love that. Okay. I would love that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. I had so much fun. Good. Bye. Thank you again so much for listening to this week's episode of Hotter Than Health. I know you loved hearing from Ashley. She is so fantastic. And I know that we have so much more to cover. I cannot wait to get my session with her. Remember, if you share this episode on social media, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and tag Hotter Than Health or the or Eliza G underscore wellness and you'll be entered in to win your very own medium session with Ashley. Remember it can be virtual or if you're local to the Charleston area, she can hook it up in person as well. I'm so excited to have had her on and I know we learned so much. Can't wait to have her on again for a part two to talk about being married to a therapist a little bit more. But Without further ado, I will let you enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Please make sure you like, subscribe, share, and enjoy the rest of your absolutely wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you next Thursday.